How would you like to never lose money on a job again? Easy to use QPro software can help ensure you're at the margin you need on every sale. You'll see right on the sales order if you are making or losing money. We'll be demonstrating how easy QPro software is to use and how it can help you run a more efficient, organized, and profitable business in a Product Theater Thursday webinar on December 3rd. We hope you'll join us. In the meantime, visit our website at qprosoftware.com for more information. Welcome back to the Real Answers podcast. Join me again today is Chris Zizza, president of CNR Flowing in Boston. Chris, thanks for being here today. We have a really fun topic today, I think, to talk about, um, especially with your Northeastern anger management issues. We've all seen uh, the movies about Analyze This, Analyze That, how people in the, in the northern states sometimes, because there's so many popular, you know, population is so dense up there, people get on each other's nerves a lot faster than they do here in the Midwest. So we're going to talk about how to keep it cool, managing customer satisfaction. Uh, keeping it cool. You know, I don't always like all the titles to uh, over the years I've done, you know, some of the different classes. And, you know, I remember I did fake it till you make it marketing like the big boys. And I hated that title just didn't sell for me, but keeping it cool, keeping it cool for me is like keeping it real. So let's, let's jump right in. I, I want to pay a compliment to a guy by the name of Bill Foley from CMD development. He's one of my customers, great guy, very successful, super builder, owns a lot of real estate, his the way he does business, you know, I mimic it a lot uh, when I have interactions face to faces with some of my clients. It could just be at the estimate point, or it could be during a callback. You know, hey, what's wrong with my floor? And I need you to come look at it. We're not happy, kind of scenario. When you got to keep your cool the most. So Bill has this tactic of walking around. I've I've been through you know on the beginning stage. Let's say it's an estimate. And we're quoting a job and he says, hey, I need you to make this walkthrough. So I walk around with him and the customer and the designers and they start saying stuff. And we've all been there. This customer is asking for something that we know we're not doing it. Okay. And Bill knows we're not doing it. And this is what Bill says. The customer makes the request and Bill goes, mm-hmm. Okay. What else? Mm-hmm. He does a lot of mm-hmms, and I'm, I want to jump in and go, Bill, you, you can't do that. We're not doing it that way, or we're not going to do this. Uh, he just goes, uh-huh, and when it's over, he says, well, you know, um, we wrote it all down. We're going to figure it out, see how it fits into the plan, and, uh, you know, we'll get back to you with everything and, uh, you know, figure out what, what the best path is going to be. He never told him we were going to do it. He never told him we weren't going to do it. And nobody had an argument. And we never did it because eventually there's a way to present to the customer why it can't be done. And you need to remember this. There are people out there that can never hear the word no or they're not going to get it. And you've got to be careful when you're dealing with them because they're going to get confrontational and sometimes want to make a point to you down the road and it can be painful. And so we're going to use keeping it cool here in this podcast. I got a couple stories I want to share with you guys that I went through and I'm hoping um, that these stories keep you out of troubled waters uh, that I may have had to tread in. So uh, the first one is, uh, I'm, I'm looking at my notes and I've got the word, it's just got one word and the words refuse. Okay. 
Here's what went down, okay? I, and I was so young. We might have been our first, second, maybe third year in business. I'm 20, 21 years old. And uh, it was a big job. And so I go there. We already got the job. It was day one to do the job. And the, the homeowner tells me that his son, Samuel, is not going to be going to school today because he's going to be staying at home while we're doing the job. And he says, Samuel, come over here. Now I want you to understand how you're going to run workmen. I, I, I'm sure a few of you are cringing because that's what he said. Mm. And I was a hothead, 21-year-old, I guarantee you, and uh, full of piss and vinegar. And I was like, oh, my God, are you kidding me? And the guy was so condescending and so rude, and I was so mad. And off he went to work. And Samuel was in the other room, and we brought in the equipment. We started working, and Samuel comes out, and uh, he had a little, I'm not trying to put him down, but he had a little bit of a whiny, you know, nasally tone. And he said, um, you know, what, what are you doing now? What, what's that machine? And I turned and I looked at him, and I said, Samuel, let me tell you something. The way your father just treated myself and my, my, work, my coworkers, uh, and I said my guys, isn't how you treat people. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to teach you a lesson, and you can do with it what you want. Get back in your room, close the door, I'm going to put the tools in the truck, and we're out of here. And you can explain to your father how everybody quit under your watch, or you can understand that what he just did was so wrong, and I hope you never treat people that way. And I swear to God, we're going to do our job. I'm not going to let you down, Samuel. And when he comes back, we're going to tell him how good you are. He looks right at me and goes, Okay. <laughs> and he went back in his room and we did the job. We did a great job. It's fantastic job. And the guy came home from work that afternoon and he's like, how's it going? And Samuel, and I said, Oh my God, Samuel's been on us all day, you know, asking the right questions, doing the right things. And the guy's throwing his chest out and he's, you know, I just want to get through the damn job, you know? And so we did the job, came time to get paid. And the guy said, I need, um, you know, I got your bill, Chris, but, you know, I need you to come over the house so we can talk about it. So I drove over there and uh, he said, yeah, you didn't, you didn't do all the coats. I said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, you know, I'm supposed to get three coats. I go, you have three coats. Now, now in today's world, CNR flooring does stain and three polys on top. Back then, uh, a three-coat job was sealer and two coats. We were doing lack of sealers back in the day. This is mid-'80s. And uh, if it was a stain job, you did a stain in two coats. That was a three-coat job. That was so standard. And you veterans out there know what I'm talking about. So I said to him, yeah, first coat was a stain. And then we did the two coats of poly. That's a three-coat job. If you did natural, I would have done a sealer and two coats of poly. Same thing. The stain seals the wood the same way. That was what I said to him. He said, look, you're going to do the third coat. I said, I did the third coat. He said, listen to me, son. And I looked at him and I said, listen, I refuse to talk about it any further. That's what I said. I refuse. Well, I'm here to tell you that refuse was his, that was his push button word. And he went absolutely apeshit on me. You refuse, you don't refuse me, and I import millions of dollars. I eat companies like yours for breakfast, and the guy went up one side, down the other side, never paid me. I sent him off into orbit. I wasn't big enough to sue. I got my deposit money. 
I didn't do the third coat, and I never got paid. I still drive by that house. I give it the finger, <laughs> you know. But um, that was a good lesson for me to learn not to send my customers into orbit. And and guys, there's always a way to work it out, and you need to try to learn towards that. Uh, keeping your cool is a, it, it's a hard lesson I learned. In the so early. let me ask you this: How would you deal with that customer today? I'd give them the third coat because who gives a crap if? Look, we all know what a buff and coat. It was like fifteen hundred feet. You know what's it? Three gallons of poly. To to get paid on that job, he was asking me for about three hundred dollars worth of work, materials and labor. And, you know, an after, uh, uh, not even an afternoon, a uh, 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 half a morning. But I was caught up on being right instead of being smart. I should have just said, you know what? I apologize that that wasn't clear enough to you. And I take full responsibility. We're going to do the third coat. You know how many free coats we give away at CNR Flooring nowadays when it comes up? Well, I don't think that coat looks good, sir. Would you like to come and look at it? Chris, I'd love you to come look at it. No, you have a problem with the coat? I'll just send the guys. Let's just do another coat. Guys, don't get hung up on it. You know, customer satisfaction needs to be paramount. I should have done the coat. That was my right. lesson. I didn't keep my cool. Well, because the reality is how many coats did you actually lose from other people that he told about you? Because someone like that is always going to come up with the story to brag about his own righteousness. Yes. And, uh, you know, you lo probably lost other customers out of that that he could have referred you to. I'm certain I did. On another token, though, you know, you, sometimes I've taken it to the other extreme. And so years down the road from that, I did learn a lesson from that guy. And I have been doing that uh, for a very long time. So I learned my lesson through that first customer. That really was so early on in our years. And then years later, I had another customer who was disappointed and upset. It was so important to me that I made her happy. Uh, she had a problem with dust particles in the coat. And it was just one of those jobs that, matter how many times we put another coat on it, it wasn't coming out right. There was an exhaust problem with the refrigerator and we couldn't unplug the fridge. Just one of those scenarios. And she wasn't happy. It wasn't a big kitchen. And I said to her, I go, listen, it's important to me that you're happy. I want you to go to my showroom. I want you to pick out a floor, any floor you want. And we're going to tear this one out, and we're going to put the new floor in. And, and you're going to have a pre-finished floor. And it's that simple. And she's like, why would you do that? And I said, because I want you to be happy. And you know what? That cost me a couple grand. We were a better company then. We had a little more money. And customer satisfaction was paramount for us. And that woman went around telling everybody how good we were. You know? So... I kept my cool. I knew she wasn't going to be happy. So would I rather not be paid for the sand and finish work or just suck it up? So she gave me the money for the sand and finish job, and I did it. I don't know. It was 140 foot install. Big deal. It went well. Keep your reputation, guys. Keep your cool. Good stuff. What about one of the keys probably I think we've talked about in keeping it cool is really setting expectations. So can you give us some ideas on how you set your examples with your customers so they're not disappointed? We're really good at the sampling phase. We just are because we have the patience for it. I have a lab uh, or a shop, whatever you want to call it, in my house, and I, I coat 
a majority of our samples that we do because the larger jobs that require sample process usually require presentation. And I'm really good at those. You know, I sit there, I talk about, talk about things uh, when floor direction, we talk about subconscious flow and what is that? And I go, well, if you have an integrator of, of subfloor, you can run the flooring in any direction you want. And there's a thing known as the welcoming of a room in the direction of the grain. And so that's called subconscious flow. Sometimes you walk in and the floor is not running the right direction. And you're wondering why your, you know, your eyesight keeps get broken up by the, either the rows or the pattern, however you want to look at it. Um, they love hearing about this stuff because they think you're teaching them something and you're doing it not in a condescending know-it-all way, but in I'm a professional. Here's a tidbit. Emily Post, who is the book of manners, and if you have daughters or sons or whoever, the, you know what? Manners are important. If you're from the South, you, you live it every day. In the North, we tend to skip it a little bit here and there. I wish we didn't. But here's an example of Emily Post. The marble threshold in a powder room on the first floor of somebody's home. The reason the powder room has a marble threshold is, according to Emily Post, so that your, your, your house guest knows that that's the powder room and doesn't have to make it public during their dining engagement with you that they need to go to the facility. They just simply say, excuse me, and... They've already noticed the doorway that has the marble threshold. Tidbit. So when I'm selling a floor and they're asking me about thresholds and I've had customers in front of me arguing, I want a marble threshold, I want a wood threshold. And they look at me like, who's right? And I go, well, I mean, if you're going to consider Emily Post, the marble threshold is to save your guests the embarrassment of asking which one's the powder room. And I've had people actually say, I love that. It's just a simple little tidbit. But it's also a way of telling people you're professional. You know, do the research. These little anecdotes, they make sense to people when you're having a conversation and trying to get intimate with them. And what I mean by that is you're about to bring strangers into their home. And that matters a lot to people. It puts them in a vulnerable situation. Absolutely. So the more they think that you're at another level the better it is. And all of these things, by the way, equate to being able to charge the right amount of money. You know, this isn't a ploy to screw people over. That's not how you run a successful business. A successful business is run by understanding your cost and charging the right amount of money to stay in business, to be able to take care of a problem if there is one. All these things, that, that all comes into play. If you don't charge enough money and you back up over their lamp in the driveway... You're just mad because your profit went out the door. And now you're going to tell them it wasn't your fault because the lamp shouldn't have been there. You, you see the way you back yourself into mm -hmm. a problem? That, none of that needs to be in play if you're trying to be the best professional you can. Excellent point. Thanks for sharing your thoughts here with us, Chris. And we will catch up on the next one. <laughs>